1: Today, on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick.
2: Every sunrise. I will put a muzzle on my mouth as long as the wicked, those are unbelievers, are in my presence. Okay, he's, he's smart about this. He's like, you know, I'm frustrated right now with my life. I'm spiritually kind of at a low point. I'm kind of upset with God. But I know this. I better not say what I'm thinking in the presence of unbelievers because it could mar my testimony and it could disparage God. So he gets this. He says, Lord, I'm going to set a muzzle over my mouth.
1: This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Psalms. If we're not careful with the things we say, we may make the mistake of saying something which will ultimately turn another away from God. Pastor Gary teaches us today that David was aware of the power of his words. David stated that he would set a muzzle over his mouth to not disparage unbelievers that point in his life, he was frustrated with God, but he knew that he still had a responsibility to God. We learn from this that we too must watch our tongues. Frustrations in our lives cannot be used as excuses to treat others wrong. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in Psalms chapter 39 for part one of today's message titled, The Frailty and Brevity of Life.
2: Psalm 39 is where we are today. Let's take our Bibles and look here at Psalm 39. Now, hopefully you've already gotten a head start. Let me uh, just give a little bit of an intro, then we'll read the chapter and then I'll pray. You'll notice with me the subtitle to Psalm 39 says this, for the director of music, for Jeduthun, a Psalm of David. So the subtitles are important in the book of Psalms. Don't overlook them. It gives us a little bit of information and context. It tells us, of course, that David is the writer of this psalm. He was for about half of the psalms in the book of Psalms. Uh, And he writes it for the director of music, which means that it appears that this was a song taught to a choir. Every psalm in the book of Psalms was a song originally, still is. Many Jews today in synagogues sing the psalms. And so this particular song, Psalm 39, was apparently intended to be taught to a choir. And in fact, he even adds, David does, for not only the director of music, but specifically for Jeduthun. Now, Jeduthun may have actually been the music director, the choir leader. Jeduthun is named in 1 Chronicles 16.41 as a worship leader appointed by King David, so he is a real person who is mentioned elsewhere in the Bible. In fact, his name is also mentioned among the subtitles in two additional psalms, Psalm 62 and Psalm 77. So that's the background on this psalm. It is a a song that was intended to be taught to a choir. The music director would instruct the choir to sing this. Jeduthun is likely the music director, and David is the writer. And so David is expressing himself, as he does through many of his psalms, his deep emotion. We're going to see some of his deep emotion here. He's frustrated in this psalm. We're going to explain why. We're going to tell you what new perspective that he gained as a result of his circumstances. But here in Psalm 39, I'm going to read all of it. It's only 13 verses, so just follow along as I read. For the director of music, for Jeduth, a psalm of David. I said, I will watch my ways and keep my tongue from sin. I will put a muzzle on my mouth as long as the wicked are in my presence. But when I was silent and still, not even saying anything good, my anguish increased. My heart grew hot within me, and as I meditated, the fire burned, and then I spoke with my tongue. Show me, O Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting is my life, for you have made my days a mere handbreadth. The span of my years is as nothing before you. Each man's life is but a breath. Man is a mere phantom as he goes to and fro. He bustles about, but only in vain. He heaps up wealth, not knowing who will get it. But now, Lord, what do I look for? My hope is in you. Save me from all my transgressions. Do not make me the scorn of fools. I was silent. I would not open my mouth, for you are the one who has done this. Remove your scourge from me. I am overcome by the blow of your hand. You rebuke and discipline men for their sin. You consume their wealth like a moth. Each man is but a breath. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Listen to my cry for help. Be not deaf to my weeping, for I dwell with you as an alien, a stranger, as all my fathers were. Look away from me, that I may rejoice again before I depart and am no more. I've entitled today's teaching from Psalm 39, The Frailty... And brevity of life. The frailty and brevity of life. When Psalm 39 opens up here, you may have noticed that David is distraught about something. In fact, he uses the words in verse 2. He said, my anguish increased. He mentions in verse 3 that my heart grew hot within me. And as I meditated, the fire burned. So he's churning about something. There is something that is anguishing to him he is frustrated and we learn actually we find out later in this psalm that david is distraught about god's discipline in his life for some unspecified sin and we see god's discipline david mentions it to us again look at verse 10 in verse 10 david says remove your scourge from me i am overcome by the blow of your hand He says to the Lord in verse 11. He says you rebuke and discipline men for their sin And so that's what David is feeling. David's like, okay, God I get it You are disciplining me you discipline men for their sin You deal with us according to our sin because you love us. That's the reason why God disciplines us Okay, the Bible says that no discipline seems pleasant at the time but it will produce a harvest of righteousness for those who've been trained by it. So God as a father will sometimes lovingly discipline us because he loves us. And when we are in rebellion to him, we will sometimes feel his heavy hand. David says, I feel your heavy hand and I don't like it. Okay, this is raw emotion. I love this about David. He is frustrated. Now, we don't know if he's frustrated with himself because of his sin or if he's frustrated with God because of God's discipline against him or both. It's likely both but he's frustrated and the one thing that he understands though is this in my frustration I don't want to say anything in front of unbelievers That would ruin my testimony or would misrepresent God. So he says in the first verse Looking again at verse one So he said I will watch my ways and keep my tongue from sin I will put a muzzle on my mouth As long as the wicked, those are unbelievers, are in my presence. Okay, he's he's smart about this. He's like, you know, I'm frustrated right now with my life. I'm spiritually kind of at a low point. I'm kind of upset with God. But I know this. I better not say what I'm thinking in the presence of unbelievers because it could mar my testimony and it could disparage God. So he gets this. He says, Lord, I'm going to set a muzzle over my mouth. That's very evocative, isn't it? Because a muzzle is typically used for an animal that might do you harm. And you put a muzzle over an animal's mouth that might do you harm. And David understands this. My words have the potential of doing someone harm. And so I'm going to put a muzzle over my mouth. I'm not going to say or do anything in front of unbelievers. He's very sensitive to this. I'm not going to say or do anything. I'm not going to emote my internal frustrations. And he's wise here to say, so God, especially in front of unbelievers, I'm going to keep my mouth shut. Now, this is good, friends, because look, from time to time, you and I will experience certain frustrations in our spiritual lives. We, we may even from time to time, I'm not encouraging it, but I understand sometimes we get angry with God. Sometimes we're frustrated with God. Sometimes we, we don't understand a lot of things and so it makes us upset. But what David understands is, i got to take that to God. I can't be mouthing off in front of a bunch of unbelievers because now it could ruin my testimony. It could shame the name of God. I don't want to bring any shame to God's name. So I'm going to keep my frustrations to myself. Right? And especially, this is wise advice, folks. We, because especially in a day where communication and words, words always matter. But especially in a day when communication and words are sent out you know, all over the world by social media. So we just are in this habit now of saying what we want to say, when we want to say it, and then we tweet it out, and it's around the world in two seconds. Okay, So it would do well for us to learn from the example of David, not from the example of Donald. Does anybody hear me? (laughs) Put a muzzle over my mouth, fasten my fingers, Lord, because I don't want to be tweeting stupid stuff. And saying stupid stuff, at least for us as Christians who are conscious of the fact that we, just don't, we don't want to disparage God's name. We don't, want to, we don't want to make a fool of ourselves. We don't want our witness to be bad in front of unbelievers. So, Lord, muzzle my mouth, fasten my fingers. I don't want to communicate stuff that, that, will, be, that will be a, a wrong statement uh, about who you are to unbelievers in particular. So, David is not saying here, suppress your feelings. He's not saying, don't talk about what bothers you. But what he is saying is that instead of venting about God with unbelievers, take it to God privately. Okay, now that's not intellectual dishonesty. That's not saying, well, you know, why, why don't you want to be real and genuine in front of unbelievers? It's not, that's not intellectual dishonesty. That's, that's being sensitive. That's being sensitive. You don't want every time you're in a bad mood, I hope, I hope you don't want every time you're in a bad mood about something for you just to barf on other people. I hope that you have enough self-restraint to realize, you know, I'm not in a good place, but I don't want to drag other people down. So that's what this is about. It is just kind of guarding your lips, you know, uh, guarding your heart, uh, recognizing that things... Uh, could be said rashly, and so you don't want to say anything that could uh, be a bad witness or disparage God's good name. You get that? So so David sets this example for us. He's like, I, I, I don't want to... He, again, look at verses, v- verse 4. He says, you know, he starts to pray here. After he says, Lord, you know, I don't want to say anything foolish, then he turns it into a prayer to God. Instead of talking about God, in front of unbelievers, he's going to take it right to God. And verse 4 on is a prayer. And notice verse 4 again. He says, Show me, O Lord, my life's end, and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting is my life. You have made my days a mere handbreadth. The span of my years is as nothing before you. Each man's life is but a breath. Man is a mere phantom, as he goes to and fro. He bustles about, but only in vain. He heaps up wealth, not knowing who will get it. Okay, now, what David writes here now in this section is, he writes here about the frailty and brevity of life. He's going to tell us a few things that are important. And and by the way, the reason he goes down this path is because it's going to shape a proper perspective. Here he is moaning about his own sin and the way god's been disciplining him and he doesn't like it and all this stuff but then he's going to get this proper perspective about The frailty and brevity of life And we'll come back to what he realizes later in the passage But for the moment I want you to take notes with me if you do the frailty of life Here's the first thing that he mentions and it's in verse 4 He says let me know how fleeting is my life Now, new king james version says let me know how frail I am Okay, life is frail. The human life is frail. We have to understand this. Despite what some, you know, popular musicians have sung about, there have been a multitude of songs entitled Forever Young. Okay, Bob Dylan had a song. Uh, Rod Stewart had a song, Forever Young. Jay-Z had a song, Forever Young. Uh, I'm not going to quote Jay-Z because it's a lot of raunchy words in it, but I will, I will quote Rod Stewart. Rod Stewart had a whole song about Forever Young, it was actually a song about his kids and how he hoped that they would stay forever young, although, you know, we can't keep our kids from growing up, we all grow up eventually, but the song that he wrote back in the 80s, may the good Lord be with you down every road that you roam, and may sunshine and happiness surround you when you're far from home, and may you grow to be proud and dignified and true, and do unto others as you have done to you. Be courageous and be brave, and in my heart you'll always stay forever young, forever young. May good fortune be with you. May your guiding light be strong. Build a stairway to heaven with a prince or a vagabond, and may you never love in vain. And in my heart you will remain forever young, forever young. I mean, we're kind of obsessed with trying to be forever young, but the reality is that the Bible tells us that we're all going to die. I mean, we intellectually know that, but sometimes we don't want to face that reality. We all know, right, we're going we're gonna to die. I mean, life is frail. And the truth is that every single one of us is only one breath or one heartbeat away from meeting our maker. Every single one of us. Tomorrow has no guarantees. Young or old. I do some work with the sheriff's department and on Tuesday night I was doing a ride-along with one of the deputies and we ended up getting a distress call. It was for an infant, a 10-month-old little girl. And so we went to the house and then we, we followed the ambulance to the hospital and I went into the pediatric ICU emergency unit there and just saw this mother distraught. Her 10-month-old baby had been intubated and they had one of those hand ventilators just trying to get her to breathe. And I prayed with the mom and prayed for a little girl and left. And I honestly don't even know. I mean, she was doing better before I left and I pray that, that she recovered. But folks, we just don't even know. I mean, here was a 10-month-old baby. Nobody knows. Just because you, you may not be in your 80s doesn't necessarily mean that you're guaranteed tomorrow. Okay, all of us, young and elderly, are but one heartbeat away from meeting our Maker. Life is frail. The Bible describes the human life like grass and flowers that spring up and then fade away. In 1 Peter 1, it says, For all men are like grass And all their glory is like the flowers of the field. But the grass withers and the flowers fall. The one psalm that actually Moses wrote in the book of Psalms is Psalm 90. And Moses would write in Psalm 95 and 6, You sweep man away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. Though in the morning it springs up new, by evening it is dry and withered. Life can be swept away at the blink of an eye. Life is frail. David also writes here that, about the brevity of life. He says life is short. And he uses three expressions in verses 5 and 6 to communicate just how short life is. He says it is a mere hand breath. He says life is but a breath. And thirdly, he says man is a mere phantom. So in the first one, in verse 5, first part of verse 5, he tells us that, that life is a mere hand breath. Now, in the Bible, there are roughly ten different kinds of distant measurements... Uh, you have the measurement of a span, a cubit, a long cubit, a fathom, a reed, a furlong, a stadion, a Sabbath's day journey, and a day's journey. These are all different kinds of lengths and distant measurements in the Bible. A day's journey is 20 miles. That's the longest measurement in the Bible. And the shortest measurement is this, a hand breadth. And it is basically the measurement of your four fingers across your palm. It's roughly three inches, give or take. And David is using the smallest measurement in the Bible to communicate about the brevity of life. He says, friends, life is short. It passes quickly. It's over before you know it. And then he mentions here about how life is but a breath. In the other part of verse 5, he says, life is but a breath. And the New King James Version, it says every man at his best state is but vapor. King James Version says every man at his best state is altogether vanity. So NIV uses the word breath. Uh, New King James uses the word vapor. King James uses the word vanity. It is the Hebrew word hevel. Havel literally means breath or a gentle breeze. And figuratively, it is referring to emptiness, something transitory or unsatisfactory. David is saying that life is like your breath on a frosty day. You know how when it's cold outside and you you breathe and you can see your breath for a moment and then it vanishes. That's the concept being used here. David says it's like a breath. Picture you know how little kids blow bubbles with those b- little bubble sticks, you know soapy bubbles, and and then they go chasing after them, but you can't even grab them before they burst. That's life. That's that's the idea here. Breath, vapor, vanity. It just. It eludes you, it escapes you so quickly. It's here and then it's gone. It's very similar to what James said in the New Testament, James 4.14. James says, what is your life? And then he answers it. He says, you are a mist that appears for a moment and then it vanishes. And then the third expression that David uses is man is a mere phantom. Now, I don't personally prefer that word in the NIV because it sounds like that you're just a ghost. You're not a ghost. But the New King James uses the word shadow. It's a better translation of the Hebrew word. Again, it's the idea that a shadow doesn't last long. I mean, how long does a shadow last? For a day, if if you're outside and it's really sunny all day long, but then as the sun sets, the shadow fades away. That's the concept here. Life is like a shadow. And the sun will set on each of our lives one day. And then what? Time is short. Life is passing us by. Now, with all this talk here, verses 4 through 6 that we just kind of highlighted, with all this talk about the brevity of life and the frailty of life, you know, David is not trying to be Debbie Downer, okay? Or, D- or David Downer, I guess. You know, he's, he's not trying to be David. Oh, I just want you to know about the brevity of life and the frailty of life. And, you know, woe is me, woe is you. That's not his point here. Okay, he's actually explaining all this because he's come to a conclusion about why is, God is disciplining him. See, first part of this chapter, he's like, you know, I'm going to keep my mouth shut. I don't like what's going on. I'm frustrated. Verses 10 and 11, he talks about the heavy hand of God. You've done this to me. You've been scourging me. You disciplined me because of my sin. Okay, I don't want to ruin my testimony. I don't want to disparage the name of God, but I'm frustrated. But then you know what he realizes? He realizes, okay, wait a minute, though. You know why God is disciplining me? Because time is short. Life is short. And I better get my act together. That's what he's saying. He's like, I better get my act together because I don't have any guarantees for tomorrow. Life is just a hand breadth. It's just a shadow. It's just a mist. It's a vapor that appears for a moment and then it's gone. It's, I have no guarantee for tomorrow. So I better get my life right with my maker. I better be right with God. I better get myself together here. That's what he realizes. He even describes, by the way, at the end of verse six, he even describes... This is incredible. He describes the modern rat race at the end of verse 6 that is killing us. Look at the end of verse 6. He says, man bustles about, but only in vain. He heaps up wealth, not knowing who will get it. In other words, man is busy, 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 making money, money, money. We're busy, busy, busy just trying to get a bunch of money that we're going to turn over to somebody else after we're dead. I mean, does this not describe the plague of Western culture or even more particularly of Loudoun County culture in the 21st century? Just be busy. Just get busy, 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 make a lot of money, get busy again, make some more money, get busy again, busy again, busy again, make a lot of money. David says this whole thing here, it's a rat race. We are busier and wealthier than ever. But are we happier than ever? Are we healthier than ever? Are we more attentive to our kids than ever? Do we attend all their ball games and go to their recitals more than ever? Do we show love and appreciation and value and respect to our spouses because we give them the time to show how much we care more than ever? Are we cultivating friendships more than ever? Do we enjoy leisure more than ever? Or is it just work, 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 make money, work some more, make money? How are you spending the life that God has given you?
1: We're so glad you joined us for Pastor Gary's message today. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching in the book of Psalms and that God is whispering the words of comfort and strength to your heart. If you'd like to learn more about Cornerstone Connection, visit our website at cornerstoneconnection.cc. There you can hear all of Pastor Gary's messages through this book, as well as the entire Bible. Be sure to check out the companion resources while you're there found under the teachings tab. These digital study guides are meant to give you even more insight into some of the studies Pastor Gary has done and are available free of charge to you at cornerstoneconnection.cc. We'd love to connect with you and hear more about how God is working in your life. Feel free to join the conversation on our Facebook page or check out what's going on at Cornerstone Connection on Twitter or Instagram. We're here to chat with you in person too. So give us a call at 703-771-1500. Let us know how we can be praying for you. That number again is 703-771-1500. That's all we have time for today. Pastor Gary will have much more to share from his verse-by-verse study through Psalms when you join us again, right here on Cornerstone Connection.
0: That you've got no place to go But still you know, but still you know. You're not alone